0: Snap index and cash and checks.
1: Hello, my friends. Thank you for joining us for the PebCAC CAC podcast, a weekly information security show featuring some all around good people. It is week 22 of 2022. I'm Chris Lee, and happy Memorial Day to all of our U.S. listeners. Here in the U.S., we observe Memorial Days to remember those who gave their lives defending this country and our freedoms with me i have my co-host uncle barbecue who looks absolutely terrifying when he doesn't condition his beard
0: and chris has the pictures to prove it i do look terrifying and i 100 regret sending that to you even though it was via signal and we're not supposed to save those things i know that you're probably going to keep it and probably post it on social media one day that's all good yeah happy memorial day everyone and uh good to see you guys and lady spoiler alert
1: And we have Glenn Medina, who just experienced a proud papa moment. Where are you
2: broadcasting from this week? Well, so I was in LA this morning, uh, celebrating my daughter's uh, master's degree celebrations last night as she walked the line. Very, very proud father moment there. And then this morning, I flew up to San Jose for a customer meeting. So happy to be here and happy to be back and Yes, Uncle Barbecue, we are going to turn that picture into an NFT that will be for sale. That'll probably be the first one that I'll ever sell.
0: That'll bring in some serious cash, I'm not going to (laughs) lie.
2: That
0: is, that is. All right, look look for us on OpenSea.
1: This week, we have a very special guest, Erica Good. Erica is not only an outstanding sales engineer, she also volunteers as a mentor and teaches young women how to be safe online. It's great to have you on. Would you like to introduce yourself?
3: Absolutely. So I'm based in Denver, Colorado. I've been at Zscaler for getting close to two years now. My background has always been focused around initially data uh, management software and hardware, uh, but now all in on security and absolutely loving it. So excited to be here today.
0: So how do you keep little girls safe online? What's the secret?
3: Education. Teaching them what what is not safe and tricks and things that malicious attackers do to try to trick young girls into sharing information.
2: I'll tell you what, Erica, where were you when I was trying to raise my girls with new iPhones? Because, man, it was really tough. I had to try and lock things down, and they found every way to subverge the security controls that I had put on them.
3: Yeah, well, I definitely think there's a lack of education out there, even training or even within the schooling system, So, And parenting, I think they, they do their best job making up for it.
0: It's it's funny.
2: What's that? <laughs> I just let the school do that for you.
0: <laughs> I have a friend that he's he has nothing but boys and so he spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to content filter back in the day, right? Like his kids are all married off now. He said that once he finally figured out how to, you know, kind of rid the uh you know, pornography off the the internet at his house, he quickly found out that his son would just start Googling uh different terms in Russian because the, the filtering didn't work for that, so These kids are creative, I tell you. They're either going to find a way or they're going to make one.
2: Exactly. (laughs) Or do it in Google Translate because that's not being blocked. (laughs) (laughs) That was another famous one as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Giving
0: away all the secrets, Brian, to all our our adolescent listeners. (laughs) My daughter had figured out that if you uh, turn on and off the client real quick, or no, it wasn't turning it off. uh, Going from cellular to to Wi-Fi. Yeah, going back and forth real quick, We just give her enough time to refresh the page and do whatever she wanted.
2: That is patience. Yeah. I would never do that. Oh, my God. Well, we definitely found a way.
1: Well, combined, we have decades of information security experience and are here not just to educate, but to entertain. We've got four awesome stories for you this week, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Before we kick things off, I wanted to share a funny story with our audience. Last week when I was gathering images for the podcast newsletter, yes, we do have a weekly newsletter, sign up at chrislouie.net. I was looking for an image of people overthrowing the government since we talked about the story last week where the Conti ransomware gang was encouraging Costa Ricans to overthrow the government. Well, silly me, I use Google image search instead of DuckDuckGo image search and I searched for the term, quote, overthrow government. Almost immediately after I did that search, I got an alert on my phone from this Google program I opted into to help them improve their search algorithm. And it asked, did you just search for how to overthrow the government? Well, in for a penny, in for a pound, I answered yes. And then they followed with questions like, did you find what you were looking for? Is this the first time you search for tips on how to overthrow the government? So, if I was not already on some kind of FBI watch list, I can guarantee you I am now. So, hey, Brian, the fat crow flies at night.
2: <laughs> Dude, that's... And his name is Chris Louis, spelled L-O-U-I-S. <laughs> <laughs> that's my doppelganger.
0: <laughs> Dang, man. That was, were you sketched out at all?
1: I wasn't surprised since it's Google and they're tracking everything
0: because
1: DuckDuckGo is my default search engine, but I I... I I was doing things too quickly. I typed in, you know, the first few letters of images and I thought it would go to images. com. I went to images.google.com and the pages look pretty similar. Cause I run it in, in dark mode. So easy to get confused, but yeah, not, not
0: surprised that Google was, was tracking me. So there was a, I forget what it was, but I, I think you guys have seen it. Like you, you type in something kind of suspect and then the text message comes in from the FBI. You know what I'm talking about? That meme. I don't think ever, so. I don't think I've seen uh, that one. Uh, basically like you go to do something nefarious and then like a text message pops up it's like the fbi is like we're watching you bro uh one day my son thought it'd be fun to uh type into google how to build a and then he didn't finish it but the auto search completed and was a bomb he did this at school anyways oh, no. by the end of the day he had called in the principal's office and uh with with the evidence of like why were you trying to build a bomb And then I received a phone call from Vegas. I'm like, "What the hell is going on right now?" (laughs) Um, He's like, "I promise you." He's like, "I did not actually type in how to build a bomb." And I was like, "Uh, "You know, I want to believe it, but I don't." And so, sure enough, I I ended up opening up Google. I used the developer tools, and so I just typed in how to build a bomb, or not how to build, just how to build. And then the autocomplete had uh, came in there, or at least the prefetch. So even though he didn't actually type it in, it was still enough to, to. trigger off uh some uh some warnings over there at the school
2: darn you google you're setting people up to yeah. so that's framed amazing. by the man <laughs> framed it's like hello mr
1: <laughs> fbi man did anything come of that or was he cleared of all charges he was suspended for uh, really? a day and a
2: half yeah so even huh. well, wait a minute what uh under what evidence of the fact that it
0: auto-filled uh well they didn't care Right. And it, it was a couple of days afterwards before I it was back in the town, I could justify our case on there. But it was all good. Like, he's like, right, I learned my lesson. I won't be screwing around anymore at, at school. I'll just stick to doing school stuff only. It sounds like he just what found it was a, like
2: a car, though. I mean, yeah, how to, how to build, build, a build a car, car bar, right? How to build <laughs> a better mousetrap. How to build XYZ. Trap, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think you guys
0: character. could have
3: fought that one. You could have we, combated that.
0: Yeah. But you know what? Like, whatever.
2: Graduate. You know what? He didn't do the shaggy defense. Yeah, that's that's, totally that should have the shaggy defense. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I,
1: I was going to say, I think your son uncovered a denial of service attack. Just start some kind of TikTok trend and say, go go to Google, type in how to build, and then hit enter, ha ha ha, and then all these kids get suspended everywhere.
0: Oh my gosh. I don't know if it's still the same thing. I don't know if it would yield the same results, because this was after, you know, something terrible had happened, I think. Ah, uh, okay. So there was,
1: yeah. Okay, I can see that yeah, there's zero tolerance
0: for anything, any shenanigans. Got it. Yeah, now I can see how to build a chicken coop or a resume or a website. So I don't use Google search anymore.
2: Well, that's probably what the top five, top ten how-to build. Maybe we should figure out the how-to to how-to don't, on their, uh, what their search search criteria is.
3: Don't the results change based on who you are and where you're at, though?
2: Yeah, they do. Allegedly, yeah. Deal. That's what
0: they say, yeah. So it's worked for, Brian. It's worked for Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. So <laughs> have you guys ever seen like, the, I forget what they actually call it, but it's like they'll 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 pepper in different things into your search. That way it kind of influences your decision. So it's kind of like if you ordered a salad, right. And there was like, you know, a cockroach leg in the salad, you'd be like, Oh my God, this entire thing's ruined. So if you were like searching for like, who is, you know, the best presidential candidate and you, you know, whatever, you side you lean on right there's stuff on there but in that that search result it's like oh this person's also like you know he made his own sister cry at her wedding like you're like oh this guy's a jerk we don't want him uh do, do you do you know what i'm talking about at all have you seen that
3: absolutely i mean that's isn't that what the internet is everybody's trying to influence you and persuade your thinking and they're doing it so subtly without you knowing it
2: yeah snake charming that's, that's the whole thing with the, the cambridge uh thing right? cambridge analytica mm-hmm.
1: yeah that's that yeah. was part of the basis of that that movie i'll watch the social dilemma i don't know if Erica watched watch it but we've, mm-hmm. we've talked about it on the podcast about the social dilemma and how big tech is influencing they want engagement they want clicks and they'll do anything that they can to do that and that sometimes that involves sh- some shady things that you know, cater to people, and they're being accused of actually like radicalizing people and making them, you know, more extreme in in their current views. Mm-hmm. All right, I think we I I derailed us enough on on that one, but just a, a side note. So Brian, I hope you got the message, and uh, you'll do what what's what's needed. Of course. For our opening topic, two weeks ago we talked about second chances and how a guard at my friend's holding camp in Thailand wanted to make amends for things that he had done. And Erica, you are on the One in Four podcast where you discuss your role as a mentor to people who have been released from prison and are trying to reenter society. I've read that the recidivation rate here in the U.S., which is the rate and likelihood that someone released from prison will return back to prison, uh, it's not great compared to other developed countries. Working as a mentor and helping people reenter society and knowing our criminal justice system is not perfect. If you had a magic wand, like let's say you were queen for a day and could make one change to basically make your job as a mentor obsolete so that people could be set up on their own to reenter society, what would that change be?
3: So this is a topic I'm very passionate about, so I'm so glad I'm so glad we're talking about it. If I had to do one change, it would actually be more awareness and understanding of what those who have gone to prison and are getting released actually go through. I actually went through a simulation it was a two and a half hour simulation being put in the shoes of someone who just got released from prison and what that experience is like and it was completely eye-opening for me you're released from someplace that you've been locked up and everything controlled for two 10 20 plus years you have no id no social security card no money no home no job sometimes no friends or family to lean on and then they're like go ahead go back into society so you try to go to get your ID, but they say, hey, we need to see more documents. We need to wait more time. You try to go get a home. They're like, you need an ID, you need a money, you need job. So it's almost like this endless cycle of not being able to actually just get fundamental things that you need to, to live a normal and and safe life. And so it, it's not surprising when you've experienced that of how frustrating it is. And you're almost forced to result into old habits, bad habits, things that may not be legal. Um, so I think if more people understood what that was like, they would realize how wrong that is and probably make changes and try to rally and, and support, make changes to the justice system or at least support others who have been released. So it's if more people understood that, I think we would change the systems and the processes that currently exist today.
0: So in true Brian Deitch fashion, I'm going to go on the other side of this. And I can't remember where I heard it, but it was hilarious. Uh, Do you guys know that that show, uh, Locked Up Abroad? I'm familiar with with the show. I've I've never actually watched it. So basically, you're traveling, you're in a third world country, you get locked up, thrown into a prison, and it is bad news, right? And so the concept is, uh, like, Locked Up Abroad, American Edition, where it's someone from, like, a third world country coming to America. They break a rule. Now you're just going to sit in there, they're in prison and they're intercepting like letters being written back at home. And it was like dear mom and dad, like we get through hills three times a day. They give us shoes. There is a comfy bed to sleep on. We literally defecate into clean water. Like there is no reason for me to ever want to go back out of prison. It's going to hang out here because I'm being treated like a king. So maybe, maybe the prison system here is a little too soft. But uh, with that said, I'm not trying to go in as compared to third world countries.
3: Have you heard of what other countries in Europe do to prisoners? They give them full education. They give them housing. They give money to their family. It is almost like some people want to go to prison because it's such good treatment. Uh, but I think that the thing that I was talking about was the transition out, not so much the experience in, which I think is, you know, if, okay, if people make prison so good, okay, maybe people want to be there. But uh, I don't believe that's the case. And making it hard to live on the other side or transition out then you're going to be stuck in a system.
1: Yeah, I've, I've heard yeah. both sides of that because I m- maybe more on the cyber side because I, I listen to the, to the, like cyber podcasts and there's there's actually a great there's a larger than you would expect intersection of former criminals that work in InfoSec because if you can hack into the Pentagon, then the Pentagon wants to hire you as, as soon as you get out. So I, I hear all these stories uh, mostly on the cyber side but there's really two camps, I think, and it seems pretty extreme. Like one is you go in, in uh it, it they call it like prison education, like they teach you how to be a better criminal and you come out and then you 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 continue what you're doing. And then there's also the other side that says, you know, prison was such a horrible experience for me. I never want to go back. That scared me straight. So I, I've seen I guess both sides, but mainly on the what we call the white collar side, not so much the violent crime side.
2: And there's a side of this too, right? I mean, if you look at it from a repatriation, like what's the, you know, what was the crime, what was the crime committed? Um, and then what was their education while they're in in prison to get them to convert? Right. And there's the stigma of like, how do I hire somebody or do I hire someone that's, 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 that's served time? And can you trust them? And, and you check, you got to go back to the statistics of, you know, if a person committed murder and they get out you know in 15 years what's their chances of being able to to be a normal citizen again versus one that probably has a chance of committing murder again those are things that employers have to deal with so i, I feel for them like i, I totally understand and understand this the the social dilemma here but it, it's still a matter of trust and i don't i don't know if that's something that that we're used to or accounted for right now so Eric, yeah, Go ahead.
3: I've been been mentoring those. We call them returning citizens. So I've been mentoring returning citizens, and and one of my roles is to help them find a job, help them find a home. And it's so disheartening how many job interviews we prepare them for, they go through, and then, of course, at some point it has to be brought up, oh, hey, I just got out of prison, and then the interview ends right there. Okay, sorry, we're we're looking for something else. And it's even roles that are like a, a concierge at a building. Or, or something very simple that might not be, you know, exposed to a lot of information, not too much responsibility, but there's the stigma of the moment you've been in prison, I'm not gonna hire you. And so that's
2: hard. Let's go back on that. Maybe there's something deeper inside this right here. Okay? It's maybe if, if, if like, who was it, um, Ant-Man, right? He gets out of jail for doing a white collar crime. He goes to work at Baskin Robbins. And then the guy tells him, well, you're a criminal. So now you can't, you can't have a job is it because the company can't hire them or is, is there some law is there like you know being a concierge is, is is the company bonded where they they have to they have to um you know approve for a certain level of, of background checks what well, what's causing companies to not hire folks because you know is is it a law
3: that's it, that's a what's good question well i don't know that answer
2: yeah yeah, i need to go Google now. There's
1: definitely <laughs> certain. Uh, I don't. So I don't think that's a a protected class like under Title Seven. You know, your your criminal history. So I don't know if you know employers are necessarily allowed to discriminate if there's certain protections for that. But I think it's certain jobs you have to be background checked. So if you work with children, you have to be background checked. For us that work in in cyber, you know, we're contractually obligated by some of our uh, our customers that we have to all go through background checks. But for Something like scooping ice cream or a hotel desk. Like I don't see any need. Like I don't know why that would, that would affect their their ability
0: to to, to perform their duties. There's this dude on, uh, on YouTube. I can't remember where I've seen him. He's like, I love him to death. He's just a, he he owns a you know business where they go around and, and pump you know old septic tanks, and uh, his philosophy is that he's gonna he's gonna pay everyone the exact same wage that he makes himself, right? Uh, And he loves to hire ex-convicts. He gives them one chance. He's like, this is it. Because he believes fundamentally that if you get out and and you were institutionalized, if you go work at McDonald's, that's not enough money to make it in life. And so you're just going to fall back and do dumb things all over again. But he also has like a one strike policy. Like you get here, like this is it. You mess up, you're gone. But he posts so much content. And it's just like, you you just look at him. You're just like, if everybody could be as nice as this guy, I think the world would be a, a lot better place.
3: Yeah, I think you're needs- right. It's it's giving the one chance and then, of course, tolerating the level of standard that you need for the job and the responsibility. But I think probably, what, at least from what I've been exposed to, is that one chance is given by very few people.
0: I'm not going to lie. If I had to give one chance to somebody and it was male or female, I'm totally going to give it to a female. I'm, I'm way more open to that idea than... Some dude. I just like I honestly I'll be on like the dude, you're a scumbag. You made bad decisions, girl. Well, of course you need a second chance. Maybe that's see, uh I, you know
3: I think that's hard to you see. You already have the stigma. So I think yeah. it's hard because sometimes people, when you learn about the back end stories of what did they do to get them to uh be incarcerated, it's not always what you think. Sometimes it their hands are forced, they're doing it to protect their family. There are, of course, situations where it's, you know, the more extreme cases that that might be a little less forgiving or understandable. But uh, there's a lot of cases where you just need to understand what happened, where they were at, what their mindset was. And then, you know, kind of check on the pulse of the temperature of, of people want to do better. They want to be better and, and they, they want to start a new life. And I, I wish more people knew that and, and would be willing to forgive and give a chance.
0: Yeah, I guess if you. Did your time, right? You should be free to to go about your day. For our first
1: topic, we'll lead off with our ransomware story of the week. Some research out of CloudSec has uncovered a new strain of ransomware dubbed Goodwill. And no, this is not the organization that accepts your donations to create jobs. Full disclaimer here, I honestly cannot tell if this is a joke or real, but I thought it would make for a really good story. The ransomware installs propagates and encrypts victim's files just like any other kind of off-the-shelf malware. Where things get interesting is when the ransomware crew, believed to be based out of India, when they ask for the ransom demand. Instead of cryptocurrency to get the decryption key back, the Goodwill crew asks companies to commit acts of charities in a SAW-like game. For example, level one of this game is to provide new clothes and blankets to people in need on the side of the road and make and upload a video to your company's social media accounts, encouraging other people to do the same. Once that's done, you've unlocked the next level where you gather up homeless or underprivileged kids and take them. And they specifically call this out to to take them to Domino's Pizza Hut or KFC and again, taking selfies with the kids, posting them to your corporate social media account and encouraging others to do the same. Congratulations, you've now unlocked level three. Level three requires the the victim company to go to a local hospital and seek out patients who require a medical procedure but just cannot afford it. Record a message saying you'll pay for all medical expenses, upload that to your corporate social media account with a message of how the Goodwill crew changed you for the better, and now you get your decryption key. Now, no known victims have been identified, but we have found a hacker group with the heart of gold. What are your guys' thoughts?
0: So we see here that you were a, a felon. You went to prison for like 18 months. What did you do? Can you explain your crime? Well, I installed malware and made people give KFC to people that were hungry. <laughs> Boom, you're rehired. Maybe that should be everyone's background story. I like this. I can get behind it. I
3: oh, know I'm conflicted. Because I, I've i taken philosophy courses where the question always become, you know, is it okay to do bad things when your intention is good? And I've never been able to answer that. Uh, but, you know, you're, you're happy because they're trying to make good in the world. But I don't know if that's going to have long-term effects on those folks who are forced to do good. And it's for show.
2: I may as well. This is one of those, you're cheering for the bad guy, but, really you shouldn't because it's not the right thing to do so i i don't know it's, it's like hard a, to say it's
1: a classic robin hood story that you you attack this company and since there's no known victims we don't know if they're attacking companies they perceive to be evil or doing bad things to the world or if they're just you know it's whoever they can hit and forcing people to have some corporate responsibility and giving back to the community it's it's definitely interesting it's it's a different take on things and And like you said, Brian, I think if these people ever get caught, you know, they, they haven't a case in court to say, you know, I've never profited from this. I was trying to do good in the world and that might be a mitigating circumstance when it comes to their sentencing.
0: My level of uh, philosophy training was kind of limited to the DMX song, uh, Ready to Meet Him. Do you guys remember that song? No. No. Why am I the only hip hop jarhead in the 90s rap. <laughs> We're calling back then, or, the, or 2000. I think it was 2000s, late 90s, 2000s. Yeah, like, basically it was like, thou shall not kill. He's like, what if he's trying to kill me? Thou shalt not steal. But what if he stole from me? So I get it. I get it. <laughs> and that's, probably, that's the limitations of it. everything else I kind of slept through in, in, in college. that an ex going to give it to you? He put out some
2: bangers, yeah, man. I'm
1: not going to lie. Yeah. Yeah.
2: He didn't make it to fifty, right? We were talking about him in one of the other previous podcasts. I think he was I remember correctly. I
0: think he was exactly fifty when he 50. passed. Yeah. I saw him once in, in Arizona, like hauling butt down the the Scottsdale one oh one freeway and a, I think it was like an old Monte Carlo. But I mean like he was trying to go to prison that day. Like I mean he was driving so fast, it was insane. And the only reason I even knew about it was him because I had seen a, a picture on social media of the car. I'm like, that's DMX. And I go, that's DMX driving really fast. Bye, DMX. He <laughs> lived life to the fullest.
1: Isn't that, that the thing A candle that burns twice as bright and only burns half as long.
0: What's weird is if you only listen to the the music of his that came on the radio, you'd be like, Oh, this guy's pretty pretty sketch. But if you actually listen to his albums, you're like, here's a man that is like seriously like battling demons. Like he's trying to do good. Like he believes like in God and stuff like that, but he's just like Every once in a while, I just kind of gives in to the dark side.
2: Well, that was his movie, Cradle to the Grave, right? Is uh, a robber turned good, stealing for the right things to get his daughter back. So, I, have, I don't know. I have a
0: high school acquaintance that uh, this is kind of a terrible story, but he married. Well, by all means, tell on the podcast then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he he ended up mar- marrying his high school sweetheart. I was actually friends with her uh, growing up, and then he, like, is this weird? Like, she's so straight arrow kind of laced, but he like his mugshot like he's he's got like neck tattoos not that they want to stereotype but you know he looks like some of these like where's his own decision and then some of them he was kind of like held down when he got them especially the face tattoos but uh he ended up going to prison because he gave his nephew uh some drugs to try to get off of some opiate i believe i can't remember what it was ended up killing him Ooh. and so then yeah and so when he was in prison he wrote a book that he was wrongfully framed and that he was a self-made millionaire, um, and it was all based on a true story. And then I talked to her. I'm like, "Is this any of this true?" She's like, "The part where she, you know, he accidentally killed his nephew, yeah. But everything else was, yeah, it was not real." <laughs> Anyways, you can find it on Amazon if you if you're looking for a good book to read.
1: Is it is that under the fiction section or is it what's it, it's classified nonfiction?
0: I, you know, I have to look it up. I think it still might be nonfiction. All right. Well, anybody can be a publisher these days, apparently. Can we just stick to the damn topics today? Jesus, guys.
1: All right. For our second topic, Google is doing something good for a change. Last month, Google announced that it's expanding the type of data people can ask to be removed from search results. Previously, you could only ask for credit card numbers and bank account numbers to be removed from their, their search pages. And after this change takes effect, you can request the removal of phone numbers, email addresses, and physical addresses. This is a really good move because I hear about too many stories of particularly like famous YouTube stars or social media stars getting doxxed, And doxx is the act of their personal information getting leaked online. They've been harassed. They've been swatted where they fake an emergency and send a SWAT team out to your house. They've had countless pizzas sent to their home or food sent to their home, even sending escorts to them and things like that because someone got a hold of their personal information and posted it online. A common harassment technique is to wait for someone to start streaming on Twitch or on YouTube and then send a SWAT team to their house by calling in a fake threat, and the hope is that the SWAT team will bust in the door and drag the person off camera while they're live streaming. This change will not actually remove the information from the offending website, but Google can make it much harder to find it since they have the dominant search engine online. I know that people value their privacy like journalists. We've talked about Brian Krebs a lot on, on this podcast, and he's actually been swatted, and someone actually sent heroin to his house hoping to get him arrested. Have you guys ever been doxxed, or had heard any stories about people getting doxed?
2: I don't know, but I know uh, Brian said he would gladly take a couple of pizzas at his house.
0: If, yeah, if you want to send me some, some pizza, go for it. SWAT team, not necessarily a huge fan. Heroin, no thanks. I'm good. But pizza. Or puppies. If you want to send me puppies, send me puppies all day long, right? I love send puppies. Send me
3: food. I'm totally okay. Send all the food.
0: What's your favorite food, Erica?
3: Sushi or steak.
0: Ooh, it's a little surf and turf. Oh, no. I so like it. And steak. And yeah, I like yeah, I like that.
2: There you I there's a reason why we liked you. Yeah, I don't. Like I said, I, I, it's never happened to me, but I'm, I'm nowhere compared to anyone else. So I'm nobody. Let's put it that way. And I like it.
3: Yeah, you always hear of these stories associated with somebody who has some sort of larger presence online or celebrity status. I find it, more and more people are becoming more present online, so I bet it'll become more common even just to the common average person.
0: So is anyone Hello? here going to take advantage of your the ability to remove some of your personal information off of Google?
2: Do you think that was really them doing that or new rules with CCPA, with privacy and and being able to institute mm. some clause that says, hey, I want I want my data deleted from But isn't the saying
3: not deleted? This is just saying they're going to control how common or how frequently it will be brought up in search or harder to find?
1: Yeah. So I think it's it's a little from column A, and I think it's a little from column B. Beginning Docs Online has been a huge, huge problem. Google had to do something about it. And then uh, states, particularly states in the U.S., uh, California, Colorado, actually, and then Connecticut, the three Cs, passed laws about, uh, consumer privacy, so I think they're just getting ready for that and trying to do some good because they're they're a, the dominant search engine. They need to do something to fix this this doxing problem. And and let me tell you, so so Brian tried to dox me on one of the podcast episodes. He tried to give out my personal email
0: address, but he forgets I'm the editor of the show, so I just bleeped it out. I'll get on there one day. I'll just comment on on social media. I have a question for Erica. Are you a team? Amber Heard, or are you against her, Am- Amber Turd?
3: I actually don't know the details at all about what is going on. I see it in the news headlines, but I don't follow
0: that. Oh, I got you. Well, I'm just going to change all my information to Amber Heard's address and her email. And if, wait, anyone, if I somehow become famous off of this, this silly little podcast, they'll just dox her instead of me. There you go.
1: Yeah, I've, I've read stories actually about like, you know, like Instagram models, like famous, famous women getting stalked by people. So, I mean, I think that's probably a good thing that they can get their information scrubbed from Google. There's actually a really creepy case. There is some guy that was obsessed with this Instagram model and he looked at her pictures and I guess there's enough detail in it that he used the reflection in her eyes or her contacts to determine like where she was. And based on that, he was able to track her down. He knows where she hung out and was able to like track her down and and stalk her, which is also incredibly creepy.
2: Very creepy. But then again, that's what an iPhone 13 can do, right? Some amazing pictures. Jesus. That's terrifying. Meanwhile, Chris is like, it's
0: a great idea. I'm gonna try it.
1: <laughs> I know uh, people try to do their they do their best to scrub, you know, their pictures online. Like anytime I post a picture, like for our newsletter or on LinkedIn, or anytime I post a picture on social media, like I always take a screenshot of the picture so it removes all the, the geolocation data on it. So I'm like, I'm I'm pretty paranoid already, but <clears throat> this take you know, I'm I like Glenn said, I'm a nobody, but you know, for somebody that's famous that has to worry about stalkers, this
2: is I think this is a good move for them. Okay. Admit it now, Chris, you did stalk Grace in college and that's how you ended up dating her and now you're married. <laughs> so.
1: That's actually a funny story. When when we whenever we have her on the podcast, I'll let her tell 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 the story of how we
2: met. Oh, I heard the story. <laughs> Remember, we were all together. We were, and if you remember, yeah. it, it
0: didn't involve stalking. So it did. <laughs> for for the record, I'm okay with stalking. Like, if anybody wants to stalk me, go for it. I don't even care. Like, just let's go have a beer, eat some expired mustard together. I don't even care.
1: Dude, be careful what you wish for. You're gonna start seeing like people hanging out around your house.
0: That's cool. You see mustard all over your house
2: now. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I can see
0: it. All the cameras pick them up. I'll find them.
3: Hey, but you have control of how much information you provide to make any of the potential stalkers, you know, how effective and successful they will be will be dependent on how much information you provide them.
0: Can you imagine that? Like, they're like super creepy. I'm like, nah, man, let's just be friends. They're like, they're trying to out creep me. I'm like, nah, that's cool. Let's go. Like, it's, it's all good.
1: I remember like the CEO of Lifeblock he used to put his social security number on a giant billboard and say, try to hack hack me. And then. I think somebody actually did it. Like they were able to successfully hack him despite LifeLock, and then he stopped that campaign after that. Whoopsie. Hubert. Somebody
3: hired him and was like, this guy, this guy's good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He works at LifeLock now. <laughs> All right. For our third story on the note of not sending people to prison for, for dumb things, the U.S. Department of Justice has finally, finally issued common sense guidance on how prosecutors will interpret the. Computer Fraud and Abuse Act, commonly known as the CFAA. Good faith security research will no longer be prosecuted by the federal government. White hat and gray hat hackers acting in what they call good faith no longer need to fear criminal prosecution under an obscure clause in the CFAA. It's a good day for security researchers and internet freedom. There were two notable cases in the last two years of where I believe the CFAA was applied incorrectly. Uh, Last year, the governor of Missouri called for criminal charges against a journalist who found a website that revealed the teacher's social security numbers. Acting in good faith, he reported it, and then the governor got mad and wanted him prosecuted. And then in 2020, a security penetration uh, test company, uh, Coal Fire, they had two of their operatives uh, that were conducting legitimate pen testing, they tried to break into an Iowa courthouse. They had full permission from the state because they're working on their behalf, but they were still arrested and they tried to prosecute them. So I'm happy to see the U.S. DOJ has removed their heads from their rears and will stop prosecuting security reachers, researchers for good faith research.
0: I'm impressed. U.S. DOJ coming in clutch today. Now I'm going to go out there and do a bunch of good things, not to worry about it. All good faith.
2: It just tells you how asinine some of our laws are, though, right? It's like this goes back to what did you go to jail for, What you know, coming out and being prosecuted and whatnot. This is this is the good thing. This is the right thing to do, right? The fact that a a Missouri governor would be upset because, you know, the journalists had revealed social security numbers that were on a website that probably had to do with an internal website that he had posted or, or allowed to be posted. So shame on them.
0: We're talking about dumb right. rules. There was one in, in Arizona, in Santan Valley, that you were. there was no public dancing allowed outside. And there was a restaurant called Santan Flat where they actually had the sign posted, but they also had a dance floor. No one's ever been arrested <laughs> by it, but it was definitely a law there. And I think they finally got rid of it uh, not too long ago.
3: I had visited a destination, and it was amongst the pandemic, where the law was you're not allowed to dance, but you were allowed to go out to restaurants. And I was like, okay, well, so if I stand up, they're playing music, and I start dancing, I'll be in trouble? And they're like, yes, that, that's a problem. It was a very weird feeling to be like, but I'm allowed to go out. I'm allowed to hang out with people. I'm allowed to do all these things, but I'm not allowed to dance.
2: It wasn't Utah, was it?
3: No, it was not.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be a problem yeah. for me. Every time I get up to use a restroom, I just kind of shake my steak. And, you shimmy over there. You shimmy yeah. over there. I, I get in trouble. <laughs> do the robot.
3: Like Chris does a robot. Like, this is how I move. This is how I walk.
0: <laughs> I'm always stiff and moving in these opposite weird directions.
3: What
2: are you talking about? I, I walk like a pimp. I, I, I shimmy all the time.
0: <laughs> I mean, if you technically walk in dancing, right, you could argue the thing that you just always do that. I mean, this is how I always walk, right? Just doing the juke. the running. Oh, the running man. I guarantee Erica can do the running man. Probably better than all <laughs> three of us. <laughs> What do you think? Am I right? Did I just stereotype you?
3: Uh, I don't know. Maybe you'll never know.
0: False. We'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure that one out. Although Zoom maybe dance Chris competition? Yeah. Maybe Chris <laughs> will bust out and like surprise all of us. He's got some good moves. Yeah, yeah you never know.
3: I think we all, we all have that one go-to move. <laughs> if anybody pushes us in the middle of a ring, I think we all have that one move that we're prepared to do.
0: What is uh? What is your move?
3: I don't, I don't think it has a name. I think oh. it's an Erica original.
2: All right,
1: let's what see. What about you? you? Yeah, I'll have to demonstrate that All at right. some point.
2: All right. Send us the video, Erica, and then we'll post it.
3: <laughs> I've been kind of hard with Zoom.
2: I just twerk as hard as I can. I just throw it back
0: and make everyone in the room uncomfortable. I have zero what rhythm. You, I know I know what you could do. What
2: good at, it could be right. our first TikTok reference on... On the
3: podcast. Oh, breaking into TikTok.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think Brian's actually the only one of us that's actually on
0: TikTok. And... Are you I still on it
1: to... or did you say you, you deleted it? Or you Yeah, I've off been off it?
0: TikTok for like a year. But Yeah, I did too. Some videos still haunt us to this day.
3: I'm going to start searching it, stalking you, Brian. I'll find out the information.
0: I'll send it to you, Erica. It's, it's actually a video that I shot of my sister-in-law and my wife that ended up going viral that we see on in-app games now. We have really? no control over it. Yeah. I guarantee you've probably seen it.
3: Wow. Yeah. See, so you're famous. Your family's famous.
0: I mean to a degree. This uh Yeah, getting, yeah, getting paid royalties on it though. Us. Just the, the original TikTok video gets gets my sister in law paid because it is off of her account. But the stuff that's on Instagram and Facebook and in app games and YouTube, nothing. Zero.
3: So they they get the ownership of it and they get paid. Yeah. Yep. They must have not read the fine print.
0: Definitely didn't read
1: that, the fine does,
3: print. Does anybody? Oh, I accept.
0: Yeah, I don't.
1: I don't think so. It would take decades for you to actually read all the fine print of every app you've ever installed.
3: And then but, you redline. At the end of it,
2: though. <laughs> at the end of it. What are you going to do? You can't redline it and send it back. You're, you're going to click accept because you want to use that app. Right? Yeah, take it or leave it. I That's always yeah. wonder,
3: though, for certain people, if they ever have the ability to redline and go back to those companies, and they would accept other legal terms i've always been curious for the you know maybe super wealthy or super elite super influential
1: i think for for the influencers that companies go after so the other way around so like instagram was trying to steal tiktok stars because everyone fled over to tiktok and then when microsoft came out with their streaming service to compete with twitch they they got ninja they got a couple other other guys over there i bet they can dictate the terms so if, if the company comes after you, I bet you get to dictate the terms. But if, if you're like me and you're a nobody and you sign up for this, they're like, who is this guy? I'm, I'm not redlining this thing. You either take it or leave it.
0: By the way, I'm a ninja fan and a Mr. Beast fan. Just all around good guys right there. Legit. Tell me I'm wrong.
1: Yeah, Mr. Beast is a little odd, but I would I, I think he, he's trying to do good things. For our last topic, and it will be a rotating topic every week. This week we're gonna talk about a controversial program the cryptocurrency exchange Coinbase is launching. Crypto exchanges have always been very progressive with their employees, and this is definitely an interesting concept. I believe all three of you actually have gone through Zscaler's leadership program here, so you may have a unique perspective. Coinbase is launching a program where all employees will be be rating each other and their managers after meetings and interactions. The goal is radical transparency to gather feedback in real time and aggregate that data to better streamline their operations. Employees will use an app to review how well their coworkers demonstrate the 10 core values at Coinbase, including things like communication and, quote, positive energy. They can share their input in the form of a thumbs up, a thumbs down or a neutral rating gladiator style. So rating your coworkers and managers after meetings, what could possibly
0: go wrong? I mean, obviously I just get nothing but thumbs up. So I love the idea of this. Just like your Uber rating. (laughs) It's like
2: my Uber rating, baby. Everything can go wrong.
3: (laughs) There's a lot of things that could go wrong with this. I agree. Glenn after every meeting, every interaction, I think there's got to be something in the middle, middle ground.
0: Like, I, uh, yeah, I would intentionally thumbs down someone just for wearing green. Like, I hate green. Why are you wearing that? <laughs> you, that's what you get today. <laughs> you skew the data. <laughs> yeah, skew the data. It's like you smell like onions. Thumbs down.
2: Yeah, I, I, I think it's essential that we get feedback, even from a management standpoint, and even you know laterally with peers. Um, and even subordinates, but I think after every meeting is a little bit much. I mean, I don't I don't fill out every questionnaire when I come out of Kaiser. When after my doctor's appointment, I don't fill out every questionnaire that comes out from everywhere because I just don't have the time for that kind of stuff. And it takes a lot of thought. Um, so especially if if someone's work is, is 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 at stake there, right? I mean, what's the reality of that? I mean, If you just want to get someone voted out anyway, it's just kind of like—is it—is it it kind of like uh, what's the uh, the bro factor uh, or what's that show? Um, You
1: can crowdsource getting someone fired. Just like collude together with a bunch of people and give everyone a thumbs give uh, someone you don't like a thumbs down.
2: Yeah, I don't (sighs) like Brian. That's a great Uh, idea, Chris. I I want you to tell you don't like Brian because he shaves. He doesn't doesn't shave, right? That—that's but you do that now. I think you could do those things now without necessarily having to have it voted on office politics. But I
3: think what's interesting is your impression of somebody, your first impression of somebody can be very different than five to ten meetings in. So I just worry, like you said, with every single meeting, it can you can hyper focus on the minor details rather than having a review and grab feedback from peers, from subordinates, from upper management, but at a I don't know the you know proper or effective time frame, but something uh, a little more weekly, monthly, quarterly might be a little more influential and not get caught up in little details or little interactions.
2: Yeah. I'll be honest with you. I don't go to work to, to feel good. I go to work because I want to get things done. And at the end of the day, I want a paycheck associated with it, right, for what the work that I do. Um, I, I This feel good stuff is really kind of blowing my mind. It's not so much so,
1: feel good. It's, it's, it's also to streamline things. Like I, I'm working with a customer right now and they have an initiative to reduce the number of Teams meetings or Zoom meetings by, they have a rule now, before you call a meeting, you have to create a Teams channel or a Slack channel and talk about it there. And, and what they've actually realized is they could handle a lot of this stuff through Slack and, and Teams now. They don't have to have so many internal meetings.
3: I think that's a great idea. I wish more people did that. There's so many things that could be discussed over email or messaging before, rather than spending 30 to an hour in a, a meeting.
2: Yeah, well, that's that whole Elon Musk uh, rule about uh, meetings, right? Like, if you don't think you're needed, just walk out. Or if you don't think you're essential to a meeting, walk out within the first you know, two, three minutes so that way you're not wasting your day. Because let, let's face it, we've all been in meetings where like, why am I in this meeting? Like, I don't understand. And what value am I going to add, other than the fact that you know someone else can can take care of this? We don't need you know ten people on this meeting to just my calendar half the time. It.
1: So the people are <laughs> multitasking anyway. Yeah, exactly. So I would say on the on the opposite side of the spectrum. So my wife, her company does this whole three sixty review system, which normally I get behind because you, it you value yourself, you give feedback to your colleagues, even to your to your manager, and just like everyone myself included you know will will tell you that i'm the best driver in the world so you need an outside perspective to see the the blind spots but
2: yeah the, but 360s are just quarterly right yeah. sorry chris i didn't mean to interrupt Uh,
1: quarterly yeah i think it's quarterly either quarterly or annually but the problem with this particular 360 feedback system is that that people can see who wrote the review and and what you wrote so it's not anonymized it's not aggregated you can actually see who wrote a bad review and as a result, people stopped writing bad reviews and just became a giant echo chamber and pats on the back and nothing ever got fixed.
2: Yeah. Well, and that, that, and that's probably part of the problem if you're 360 reviewed You only have five people working for you, right? Um, only three submitted, so you know there's two left. Um, you tell everybody that, you know, hey, you, you know who the two are that haven't submitted yet, even though it's kind of anonymous. So you can figure out what the last two details are when they get reviewed, and then your peers, you only have two or three. So you can kind of figure out from even their writing styles about who who submitted what. It's not, it's it's anonymous by nature, or it's supposed to be, but the result is that, you know, with enough data gathering or, and data, you know, uh, you can you can figure out who it is that wrote what about you.
3: Yeah, but I don't um, know if that's a fault of the system or a fault of people not being confident to share honest feedback and constructive criticism i would think more on someone not voicing and being able to say hey i'm trying to help you and be okay and confident in sharing that opinion rather than the system needing it to be anonymized
2: yeah and erica that's that's another good point right so me as a manager when i was when i was at z i take feedback very seriously so if someone told me that i had a lot of meetings that didn't make any sense then i would try to internalize that and adjust but there is many folks out there that look at that and go, what are you talking about? They get defensive, right? So that's not, they're not using it in the right way, which is, which is how it's supposed to be the intention was. So, um, like I said, like everything, like there's, all, there's always good things, but you know, that you're trying to accomplish, but people construe that and maybe take it a different way or do things differently based off of the data that they're getting.
0: Yeah, I, I think you have to crowdsource the data a little bit differently. My first couple of years when I would do this for my pro- professional growth moment, um, specifically when I was at F5, I would only hit up people that I kind of knew. It was still uh, anonymous, right? I didn't know exactly who was writing it. But eventually I came down to the point where I'm like, wait a second, I can't, I can't ask my friends what they think of me. I got to go out and, and, and hit up the people that I don't know. Uh, and that is really what changes you in the long run is when you have people that are don't interact with you as much they have their own perception of you to help provide some good constructive criticism so uh, long story short erica you'll be getting a survey from me here shortly <laughs> one, of
1: the, one of the jobs i had was you know and we did the the 360 feedback so we did, rolled it up to my manager and I had i had some legitimate concerns about the group and um some suggested improvements on how we can improve the the group as well and i just remember sitting in a meeting with her and then with our our coo and she was the coo was meeting and like that that was not a pleasant meeting to be in like my manager did not accept criticism well and she she thought the world revolved around her she thought everything she did was was great and i said no there are some legitimate concerns i have with the the department here and yeah that that did not go over well all right well we continue to get great comments about our dad joke of the week this week, our guest Erica is up.
3: Okay, so dad joke of the week. Um, how did the turtle cross the freeway? How? How? I'll, I'll give you guys a tip. Take the F out of free, and the F out of way.
0: Get the F out of the way.
3: Yeah, take the. That's the answer. Take the F out of free, and the F out of way.
0: Womp, womp. I don't get it. Help me out here, Chris. Because
3: wow, wow. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm giving you the answer. Take the F out of free.
0: Okay. free and then
3: take the F out free. of way.
0: There is no F in way. way. There's no F in way. way. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs>
2: <laughs> Erica, thanks for being that patient. That was like way above you, Erica. You just went way above our heads. <laughs> Damn it. Wah, Good job, bro.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Bravo. All right, to wrap things up, everyone deserves a second chance. The Goodwill ransomware forces you to be a good company. Google finally allows you to remove phone numbers and addresses from their search results. The CFAA finally returns to its roots of why it was created. And I support anything that reduces the number of meetings. That's all we have for this week. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. You can find us all on LinkedIn. Links will be in the description follow us on Instagram at podcast. Thank you to all our listeners and subscribers who rate us five stars in the iTunes store and Spotify and left us a review. We appreciate you all spreading the word to help grow the show. The best way to find us is to search for the Pepcac Podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. For my co-hosts, Brian Deach and Glenn Medina, and our guest Erica Good. I'm Chris Louis. Thanks for listening. See you all next week. And as always, have a nice day. Looks like the
0: uh, bus station from Total Recall. Have a good one.